As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Thank you for tuning in to the Action Ambition Podcast. I am Philip Llanos, and today we're here with Hari Ravishandra. Now, he's the CEO and founder of Aura, an engineer by training and an entrepreneur by nature. Now, Hari has a track record of founding successful businesses in technology and web security. Hari, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me, Phil. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I love the idea of you being an engineer by training and an entrepreneur by nature, because those usually don't go hand in hand. There are some, but it's rare that you're able to have that much of a, of a craft and skill and then still also have such a vision for business. So I have to ask, before we dive into what you do at Aura and what your vision is, do you come from a family of engineers or entrepreneurs? I come from a family of entrepreneurs, actually. So my grandfather, my my dad always was dabbling in a lot of uh, different kind of businesses and ventures. So growing up, I definitely saw a lot of that. And that was uh, perhaps, you know, got stuck in the back of my mind that uh, it's a way to make a living and it's kind of exciting, interesting. And they were always passionate about it. So uh, I definitely got to see that growing up. Cool. And at what point did you in growing up to see that, at what point did you decide, I'm going to be an engineer? Because, right, you, you think it's entrepreneurs, and then you went the route to the engineer. Was that just your doing, or your family asked you to focus on that? Yeah, I had an interesting background, because I grew up in India till I was around 14 or so. Oh, so wow. a lot of the Yeah, so a lot of the startups and, like, a lot of the things that my family was doing was out there. Uh, but they were always sort of, you know, now we call them uh, kind of the gig economy or side hustle. You know, but back then, uh, my dad actually was, he was an academic, right? And so he was basically focused on academia. Uh, he came to the U.S., I think, on a Fulbright Fellowship, which is sort of like the Rhodes Scholarship for Science. And so he uh, ended up spending two years doing that work. And then he went back to India because the way the program worked, you couldn't stay here uh, for beyond the program for more than a couple of years. And you had to go back to your country, basically. So when he came back, he said, uh, you know, I really loved it out there. This is like, again, you know, the late 80s. And you know, he's like, oh, I loved it out there. 
I want our kids to go to the U.S. because there's so much opportunities there, right? That was sort of his big mindset at the time. So he, I ended up moving out to this country because my, my dad said, you know, he, he found this Rotary Exchange program um, where you could go live in the U.S. for a little bit. And on the, on the, it was for like a year, you could come live out in the U.S. And uh, on the way out, when we're leaving India, he said, look, this is like a huge opportunity for you. I was 14 at the time. Um, and he said, you know, when you get there, just figure out a way never to come back. Right. And so <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, you know, it's definitely sort of a, a lot of intensity around it. So so when I got to this country, I, you know, I ended up uh, uh, going to the high school that they placed me uh, placed me at in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And I went and asked the, the guidance counselor, hey, like, you know, how do I figure out a way to, you know, stay in this country and keep going? And she said, oh, you should, you know, go to college. And um, at the time, to me, the safest approach felt like, you know, becoming an engineer because my path would be much more defined and, and, and clear where you go to engineering school, you can get a job, and that's sort of a, an opportunity to keep continuing on to stay, uh, stay in the country, to get sponsored for a green card, all that type of stuff. So that really took me away from what I feel was my real calling and passion, basically. Um, and so not until I was around 20 or so, when I started my last company, uh, I, you know, I just had a moment where I'm like, hey, you know, I just don't feel like I'm on my path. Like, I feel like I'm doing engineering and I'm reasonably good at it and doing all these things. But I feel my real calling is to build things and be closer to the customer. And so that was that was my quick journey there. I love that because then ultimately you did launch one company, like you said, and it was your last company. And uh, did you take any learnings away from that? That you brought into Aura when you founded it? Yeah, so many. You know, the the last one I started, uh, I was twenty at the time, and it was just like this amazing, exciting time. It was like the late nineties, uh, the dot com sort of craze was happening at, at that time. Everybody uh, was starting a company. Everybody was sort of you know uh, doing things that seemed very exciting to me. And and you know, I remember thinking at the time. The, so the last business I started. There was no grand ambition. Like I, I wasn't sitting there going, "Oh, like I want to go change the world, or I want to build, you know, a multi-billion-dollar business, or anything like that." I had thought about it very simplistically, which is, look, I like the freedom of building things that I like to build and having freedom in my life. And so, to get freedom, what does it really come down to, right? Which then, at the time, the, the way I thought about it is, look, I mean, you know, when I add up all my bills every month, um, they seem to add up to around two grand a month, right? And so that's somewhere in between my rent and, and, and everything else. So I thought if I start something and I can make two grand a month, anything I do above and beyond that is a bonus, but I get to live my life and I get to do things that would be really interesting or exciting for me, right? So that, that really was the, the big notion that was going through my head at the time. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, when you think about stuff that way, uh, taking risk gets a little bit easier because it's much more tangible. Now you're thinking about it, not in terms of, oh my gosh, like I have to have a massive success. You know, it has to be, you know, really big, et cetera. You can now think about it more in terms of much more defined thing. And the more you can sort of, you know, create that bit of downside around the risk where you're looking at it going, okay, this is something sort of, you know, I can understand, I can get my head around. Um, it makes it easier to take the next step and the next step and the next step. So, in that, in that company, you know, started, you know, really uh, with that kind of a simple notion where, where I then said, okay, um, how do I leverage any skills I have to be able to make two grand a month, right? I mean, those are like the basic question. And then the internet was just getting going at the time. Uh, this is again, like 96, 97 timeframe. And I ended up 
uh, you know, really kind of building a business, helping other small businesses get, get on the internet because they couldn't write the code for it to be able to put their websites online and all that type of stuff. And so that's how it got started. And then, you know, we had a 20, almost a 21 year run of, you know, ups and downs and sideways. And eventually when I left that business that started with a very uh, simple proposition uh, in 2017, when I left that company to start Aura, uh, we were doing a billion two in revenue. So it was a public company. We wow. had 4,500 employees. It was worth about three and a half billion dollars, but it was all sort of these incremental steps. And, and the hardest thing is taking that first step and getting your mind around the risk. And then moving forward, because over time, you find out you're good at a lot of things you don't think about if you don't give yourself a shot at it. And so, uh, so that was my, you know, kind of big learning from that, from that experience. It's valuable to be able to sit there and say to yourself, even from, from the very beginning to set that seed into the soul of the company and say, look, what does it look like at the, at the minimum we have to this, as opposed to, I've got to make this big, this vague notion of what success is. And you're like, no, here's a clearly defined bottom line I have to meet. And it slowly grew over time as the needs dictated. And eventually the team expanded to be able to serve more customers. It makes sense. And it's a very practical and surefire way with, you know, all things withstanding of whatever risk anyone takes on just being alive and operating a business in the world. But for the most part, it's a very good way of looking at things as opposed to all the pressure people put on themselves. So I'm glad you brought that in. Yeah, the one the one thing that I did learn on that journey is you got to have almost two gears, right? So you've got a gear where you're thinking about how to make the you know the you know, great line. products and you know oh. and, and things that sort of drive another fifty hundred thousand dollars worth of revenue, but at the same time you also have another lever that you're looking at saying how do I also make this thing be worth several billions of dollars, right? And so you kind of have to have both these gears and make sure that depending again you don't want to do this on day one but as you're going on the journey uh, it is a skill you're going to want to cultivate is you know beyond the the, the short term you know how, how do these things going sort to of impact uh, our revenue our growth our product our customers how do we also uh kind of figure out how to dream big and know that these things are connecting to something in the longer term as well basically so uh it's almost like the, the, kind of that two-gear model where you're thinking about uh, tomorrow and next month, but you're also thinking about five or 10 years down the road as well, if you can. So, yeah. What, what, what is a brainstorming session when you want to 10 X something like that look like for you? When you're like, you know what, it's time to start thinking big. We've got a pretty stable, at least recurring revenue coming in. So we know where that's going. We know what tomorrow and next month looks like. Now we want to start dreaming big. What would you and your brainstorming session look like? Who do you call into the room? What do you start throwing down on paper? Yeah. So you, you kind of look at both kind of external uh, input from advisors and people uh, outside. So talking to your board members in our particular case, talking to investors, talking to people that have been in either similar or adjacent journeys and getting a lot of feedback from them as well. And then sitting down with the team and thinking about like the way I tend to think about it is, you know, your vision for what you want to build it doesn't change. Like you've got a North star, right? So you're saying, okay, like in the long term, whether it's 10 years away or 20 years away, like in the case of Aura, for example, we want to create a safer internet for everybody, right? And so that vision is never going to change. And that's always a work in process. Like it's never going to be done. Like, you know, by the time we get to a place where we think we're going to uh, a good spot, there's going to be new things to kind of have to worry about, right? So that's always there. Then you say, okay, when we think about it over the next three years, cycle, right? Where are we at today? And what do we need to invest behind? And what do we need to add? Uh, and what's missing? 
that gets us a little bit closer to that longer term North Star, right? So you say, okay, you know, to be able to create a safer internet, we got to get a lot of people to use our product, right? And to get a lot of people to use our product, we have to get better distribution. To get better distribution, our product needs to have all of these additional features on top of it. To add all those additional features, you're going to have to add X number of engineers and product people and designers and people like that, right? So it goes almost from that very long-term uh, to, okay, well, what does that mean for us like in the next three months or six months for what we got to get done to get a little bit step, a little bit of a step closer to that longer term view. I love that sort of reverse engineering from the end and seeing what parts are missing in the present moment and working towards that. Yeah, I mean- Exactly right. That's the thing about business, right? It's pretty straightforward, but sometimes it, 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 it's not common sense to common sense people, you know? It's just, it's just ironic that way. And it's almost a gift as an entrepreneur to be able to put yourself in that state of mind where you can make that progress where most people start to feel hesitancy or resistance because they're the uncertainty of the, of the tomorrow, even with predictable revenue, well, what if everything goes wrong? Or, and how yeah. do you get yourself to shift out of mind states like that? Because they happen to all entrepreneurs as I've had conversations with people. How, how are you able to shift yourself out of that and back onto the focus at hand? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, so this is sort of that two gear model that I was talking about, right? So if you're always in that long gear where you're continuously saying, hey, like, I want to go change the world. I want to build the world's like biggest company around this. It's so amorphous. Like the, the, the best example I'll give you, like for companies that, uh, that somebody was told me the other day, and I, I loved it. So I'm going to repeat it here. Um, you know, when you're building stuff, you've got, you know, like two kinds of people, right? So you've got uh, Greeks and you've got Romans, right? So the Greeks, they like to dream, right? They, you know, are like, oh, like we want to build this big thing. If we, you know, capture this and take down all that stuff. We're going to build this big empire, right? And then you got the Romans that are like, all right, let's start building bridges. Like, let's go, like, just go start doing the thing. Like, put, you know, lay down roads, like, you know, build, build a bridge type of thing. The, the trouble is if you don't have both kinds of people in your business and you don't have both modes of thinking, you can really limit yourself because if all you're doing is continuously dreaming about the big idea, et cetera, it's going to get overwhelming because you're like, I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know what I need to actually build today or tomorrow or anything like that. That's sort of that... Uh, too focused on that long gear piece of it. But then if you're someone that just continuously just keeps building roads and bridges because you're just doing stuff, it may be things that don't lead you to anywhere, right? Because you don't have the dream of what the thing ought to be in the long term, right? So, so you kind of need both. So you need a certain amount of sort of the Greek mindset and a little bit of that uh, Roman mindset too, where you're saying, okay, like I got to be able to dream about something that gets big and, and exciting, which is sort of that long gear but I also got to kind of get into that mindset of I'm not going to get there tomorrow or next month or next year. It's going to take me a long time to get there. So how do I start, you know, building bridges and building roads to get to that long-term view so you don't get so bogged down and overwhelmed or you don't think about it too short-term where all you're doing is just doing things because you're doing things and it doesn't add up to anything else in the long term. Yeah, man, that duality. So then Aura, you have all these learnings and you jump into Aura as it, with partners, I mean, I think you mentioned some board uh, board advisors, and so you had partners, and that whole thing was ready to go, or did you have to piece it together like the Romans with this Greek vision? Yeah, no, we definitely had to piece it together. You know, in 2014, I had this personal incident right where basically uh, I think I was like applying for a loan or something like that, and you know, it said that my identity had been stolen, oh. and I thought. 
I was like, oh no, like well, I, I don't know what this is. And so I started digging into it and I thought it's not 2014. I'm thinking there's gotta be a solution out there in the market. You can just go buy it and it's gonna be simple. It's gonna be easy to set up. I started digging into it. The thing I find out is it was non-trivial. Like it, basically you have to call the banks, you gotta call the bureaus. There was all this like complexity. And I remember thinking, I'm a fairly technical person and still this was a real hassle for me. Like I, you know, I just, it took me like, you know, weeks and weeks and multiple months to get this stuff all cleaned up. And it was surprising. There really wasn't a solution out in the market for this. So fast forward to 2017. So I thought about it and I, I remember thinking, you know, some, somebody's going to solve this thing because it is a big problem. It's going to affect, it, it is affecting, going to keep on affecting a lot of people. And then 2017, when I got the bug to go do another startup again, basically, because uh, at that point, uh, my previous company was uh, was a good sized public company, and I really kind of missed building. Um, and so, as we we're getting into this, you know, there was a group of us that were sitting there thinking about, okay, we need a few sort of uh, uh, pillars about what what are things we want to get done right right this time. Right, so we're like, look, in the last journey, we did a good job with the product. We didn't do a great job with it. We should have done better. So that was one big pillar. We wanted to make sure that this time we built a brand because it's going to be very critical. We wanted to make sure we got the culture right in the business because it's a first time entrepreneur. The last time we got it right in some places, but some places we didn't get it right. And so, you know, that was sort of a, a lot of the learnings around that. And then we said, that's on the, that's on the philosophy of the business. Then on the, on the problem we want to solve, it's got to be something big. It affects a lot of people. It's got to be a complex problem, getting even more complex. Um, and then we started looking at a bunch of data and, we saw that there were a lot of consumers that were shopping for a whole bunch of different security products that were all from different places and different vendors. And I remember telling the team, I'm like, oh, look, like I actually personally went through this back in 2014. And it's crazy because it's overwhelming. You have no idea, you know, if you've taken care of it, you have no idea how people got your data. How did you get stolen in the first place? Does it impact other stuff? Does it affect my kids? Like all of this type of stuff. So I was like, look, I, I feel like there's going to be a good opportunity here to integrate a multiple of these different things into an easy to use, simple product that consumers can just set it and forget it and not have to think about it. And I think we should go after that. And so that's how we got started with Aura. So it was basically the combination of personal experience, a philosophical view of how we ought to build a business, and then some structural pillars of what kind of problem we wanted to solve that was kind of meaningful, had an impact. Um, so those were sort of the, 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 the makings of how this all came together. Basically. Yeah, there's so much integrity behind this business story because it's, number one, it's, it's built on an actual use case of like, this is value we're contributing to a customer or an audience. And with learnings from a previous business, ready to set it up in exactly the way of business. I mean, and you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but man, it doesn't get any better than having that as the primer for starting a business. And so then Aura, you decided on the name, like sort of arbitrarily, so we need a name or was there, was there a little further into it? Yeah, no, no. So when we started, we, it was actually called I Subscribed, right? Which is a which is a like a very sort of uh, quick and easy name. We just have to have a name for it. Sure. But I would say, two, yeah, two years, uh, a year and a half ago in June, we went through a whole exercise where we said, look, it's got to be something that's meaningful because, you know, it's starting to now take off. It's going to be good. I Subscribed was sort of like a placeholder type of name and it kind of stuck, basically. So we did a bunch of work, came up with like 75 different names. And, you know, Aura was the first one on the list because it started with easy, A, yeah. it was alphabetical. <laughs> yeah, and I looked at it, I'm like, wow, like, I don't even know if I want to look at the rest of the list. It's an amazing name. It has this, like, 
you know, mystical sense about it. You know, it yeah. felt like kind of like the image it conjures up is like a, a shield or this thing. Like I was going to say, yeah. Them, yeah. Right. And so like the energy of, of, a, of a person. So, so like, we're like, yeah, this is it. We got to go. We got to, we got to. I named the whole thing aura and so that's yeah that's how the name stuck i love that it, it makes so much sense that was my first thought intuitively was okay if we're talking about cybersecurity, web security the aura the os that protects me kind of thing you know yeah exactly I'm, like your energy shield yeah i'm about it man i'm about it um so now how are things looking at aura has your team really gotten to achieve sort of a semblance of that vision that you were looking for with some time because you started in 2014 right it's 2021 now so we started, we, yeah, no, we, we started thinking about it in 2014. So we started, we started the business actually in like late 2017. Oh, right. So it's been right. Kind of coming up on, yeah. So now we're, it's coming up on four years. Uh, yeah. We're, I mean, we're do we're off to a great start here with our teams, about 800 people now, you know, wow. our company will do, uh, this year we'll probably do about 230 million in revenues. Um, we just raised uh, two hundred million dollars of capital, uh, which uh, brings our total to about six hundred fifty million so far, um, at, at about a two point five billion dollar valuation. So the company is off to a good start. I still really think we're at the tip of the iceberg at this point. This is a company that I think, if we got the execution right, can be just a really big business that impacts lots and lots of consumers and families, um, mostly because the problem seems to keep on getting hairier. Like you say, like every week you wake up and there's like three breaches, your data is out there. People feel kind of completely out of control as to where all this information is going, how it's impacting their finances, how it's impacting their families. So it's just a, a, a continuous um, uh, amount of, uh, uh, you know, negative things that are happening in the world around your data, privacy, security, that we think that having a solution that's all in one, autonomous, meaning, you know, if uh, you install it on your computer, it, it it looks at things you're doing differently than it looks at uh, stuff that's happening on my computer and my devices, because my browsing patterns and how I use technology might be different than yours. So it learns and gets smarter. So that we, we've done a good job integrating and putting all this stuff all in one. Now we're starting to rapidly work on the the, the learning system, uh, the AI and the machine learning uh, wow. engine basically underneath it to make the product much more autonomous. So that's that's the part of the journey we're on now. I'm excited about that. I Not too long ago, myself had received a letter in the mail saying that somebody opened a bank account at a bank I've never used. And I was like, what's going on, man? And so when I hear your story, yeah, I then had to call like the credit bureau. I had to call this yep. bank, show up to the bank. I yep. mean, just the time suck. It's just yep. one thing I didn't have to do. So you're right. I would happily, happily look at a service that says, look, we'll take care of all this for you and you can set it up so that you'll never have to worry about it again. Exactly and right. And exactly. And you know, the thing about it is if you've been through a negative experience, it's the easiest thing that anybody you know looks at and says, oh, this makes a ton of sense to me. The problem is for the number of people that have not been impacted by it, getting them to think about this as a proactive tool to know. say, hey, don't wait till it happens. <laughs> That, I mean, that's that's the big business challenge here. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Have you have you even considered how the implications will work around as blockchain becomes more sort of ubiquitous? How maybe Aura can fit into that? Should I can I ask you about that? Is yeah, that like yeah, one of the things well, on the? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. So I think it's a great question, right? So when you think about identity proliferation, right? I mean, what is identity? Like you know, think about sort of um, you know, it's basically you proving that you are who you say you are, right? right? And so you've got 
the ability to sort of uh, look at, um, you know, some sort of an identifier, like, you know, whether it's your driver's license or your passport or something like that, you know, you, you say, okay, this is who I am. And then you have an exchange with somebody, you have a, a transaction with somebody based on, uh, you know, uh, generating trust by, by having some sort of a, a identifier, right? So when you think about identity and how much it's morphing over time, yeah. it started, you know, it started with just having a simple username and a password, right? Where basically that's, that was your big authentication thing. And that's gone through a whole chain where it's getting more and more disintermediated where now, you know, Microsoft tried the passport approach. And then there was basically uh, uh, multiple other providers with the various different iterations on it. So blockchain, you know, it's basically a way to kind of create, at least in our world, a distributed view of, uh, of uh, identity and access for, for people, if you can kind of, you know, get it all fully distributed out. I think from our perspective, there are still a lot of even historic technologies and things that have you know, come up with uh, newer modes of uh, um, security protocols that are kind of built into it uh, that are still evolving before blockchain becomes much more rampant inside our ecosystem Got because it. the basic use case of it, you know, is still tethered very much in some sort of uh, either like with smartphones now, you've got biometrics, you've got identifiers, but they're still either two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication, yeah. or a password plus some other form of authentication on top of it. So I think people are still adopting to that. So by the time we get to a fully right. distributed identity view, there's still some more time to be left there. It's, it's sort of our, our, my, my personal take on it, I think. So, and this comes uh, back to the same thing as people not even doing some uh, prep work to avoid this kind of thing to happen, happen to them to begin with. It's like- Yeah, like a simple one, like, you know, passwords, right? I mean, like you ask people, you know, hey, how many different accounts are you using the same password on? <laughs> like 75% of the people will tell you, like, you know, all of my critical accounts are using the same password. So if one <laughs> of those gets breached, now you got a bunch of headache because multiple things can get breached. So to go from that world of, hey, let's have some basic hygiene to now using a fully distributed blockchain-based protocol, there's like a little bit of work to be done between here and there, basically. Uh, I remember so. getting a notification from Google saying my password was part of a data leak that they had or whatever. And there's like 300 accounts I've had to manually over time because they don't offer you like a, let me generate a- One click, yeah. Yeah, one password. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm sitting there, yeah. you know, I'm whittling down the list slowly. I made all the critical ones change first, but I'm like, oh man. I can't it's believe work. we don't have a solution for this yet. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's exactly right. It's a lot of work. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad someone like you is out there doing it with Aura, man, because uh, it's it's a real thing. And as the world becomes more digitized, and it's going to, it's not going backwards. Nothing short of some cataclysmic thing, you know, knock on wood here, is ever going to change the speed that it's going towards a more digital presence with augmented reality. And I mean, I can only imagine the, the implications of what that means for a company like Aura, you know, and how you're going to get involved there. Uh, but that being said, uh, for the listener where should they learn more about you, stay in touch with you and, and, and uh, sort of, are you active on social links? You know, what's the word? Yeah, no, I'm uh, definitely very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, it's uh, under my name, Hari uh, Ravi Chandran under Aura. Uh, we also have uh, a, uh, an Instagram page. I think it's Aura underscore protects um, basically is, uh, is our, is our setup there. And on the web, uh, our website is aura.com, www.aura.com. So you can find a bunch of info there. I think all the social links are also listed on there. So would highly encourage people to try it out, check it out. And obviously uh, 
have any questions about entrepreneurship, anything else, uh, always happy and uh, excited to help fellow entrepreneurs. So. All right, man. It, it really is cool talking to someone that's just like no fluff, straightforward business, you know. And when I think about it, it must be cool to say that you never did go back. Your you, your dad, when he said, "Don't to find a way never to come back," it was easy. You became an entrepreneur with a vision, and you've never yeah. gone back. You no, know no. I mean, I mean yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And it's been it's been a good ride. It's you know we've learned a lot. You know, you know, done a lot of things right, done a lot of things wrong, and learned from the things we did wrong. And Keep on charging forward, you know, so it's been, it's been exciting. Hey man. So now I hope you'll indulge me in this question, but you are welcome to pass. Like I said earlier, we talked about this before hitting record. If we could have invited anybody today to sit here with us and sort of like chat and, you know, talk about the same things, maybe even put some of their own input in dead or alive, who would you have invited and why? I mean, no, no questions. It would be Steve Jobs. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, he is, he is my absolute idol. Epitome. Uh, I just, <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, you know, everything, uh, and I've, you know, read pretty much every bit of literature about him, watched every movie that's, uh, that's out there and continue to be, you know, again, you know, as any other human, he, you know, a lot of people, you know, think he's got quirks and flaws and all that. And we're all human. We've got those, we but all do. when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to, uh, vision for creating something that didn't exist, you know, there was no personal computer, there was no iPod, there was no, uh, iPad, there was, uh, you know, I no iPhone, you know, and so basically taking problems that people had and building amazing products that basically, um, that basically got mass adoption where people looked at it and said, it's so intuitive. Like I see my, my two-year-old son, you know, he's on his iPad <laughs> and he knows exactly what to click and what to move around. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. And just kind of making that stuff up from out of nothing, doing it with a sense of style and taste, uh, doing it in a way that uh, really kind of appeals to both the right and the left brains of, of human beings and really connecting with humans. Like I think technology that can connect with humans, uh, I, you know, I, I just think that that's the most phenomenal thing because people can then leverage technology to get uh, better. It makes a human race better. And I feel like he added so much and, you know, we lost somebody like that too early in, in, in my estimation so Always, if right? i could ever have a chance yeah would, would would love to would love to have met him so i love that because that tells me the type of vision you hold is true and dear and it's personal and that you you hold your team accountable but also hold yourself accountable you apply pressure but the right kind so i guess I call it eustress i mean I, I hear a lot of great qualities uh from being able to point to someone like that as someone you admire and then reflecting on your own journey as an entrepreneur I'm excited for the things to come from Aura. So again, uh, Hari Ravishandran on LinkedIn, very active there. Go to Aura. Is it Aura.com? Is that? A-U-R-A.com, exactly. Yep, Aura.com, and all the links will be there, and you can check out more of what's going on. Hari, thank you so much for stopping by, man. Thank you, Phil. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.